Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we try to do here every single day. Our quote for today comes from our guest. Some people are drawn up the mountain for glory. Others are pushed up by pain. That's from Sylvia Vasquez Lovato. Ugh, I feel like I'm being pushed up a mountain with pain right now. Anyway, Heel Squad, what's up? Here on the East Coast in Connecticut, Queens are in the West Coast studio. I'll be joining them very soon. Uh, today, we're going to be chatting with the very inspiring Sylvia Vasquez Lovato about pulling yourself up from rock bottom. We're going to be talking about courage, how she rose from her darkest moments to become an inspiration and an advocate for others, um, how she didn't allow the trauma of her childhood to destroy her life, but instead she took back her life one brave step at a time. Um, her book is amazing. I forgot to bring it in here with me, um, but um it's it's pretty incredible. It's called In the Shadow of the Mountain, A Memoir of Courage. It is out and available right now. Um, Queen, did you get a chance to take a look at it? Oh, yeah. she Her story, I mean... I, it was kind of funny reading it because I was like, oh my gosh, is she going to have to learn how to pivot again, again, again? But I felt like there was so much takeaway and so much like that I could relate with or relate to and that everyone could. You know, for me, it was really, she'll get into it, but she talks about like, if you continue to run from your trauma, that it's just going to keep, you know, showing up in different ways. And for me, that really hit. I was like, oh yeah. So I can't wait to talk to her. She's amazing. Her story's amazing. And I know you two are going to have just such a good combo too. You know, it's so funny because I was just talking to someone um, today about how if you don't deal with your grieving, your grieving, there'll be new things for you to grieve. Yes. So, you know, we talk about how cycles just keep coming around and around and around their patterns because you have to fix something. Grieving is the same way. Right. So um, it's interesting. It is, but it makes, it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it really does. 
Well, uh, I say we get right to it. Sylvia Vasquez Lovato is a Peruvian American explorer, mountaineer, social entrepreneur, activist speaker. In June 2018, she completed the seven summits and has been the first openly gay woman to do so. Her new and first book, The Shadow of the Mountain, is a remarkable story of heroism and community, one in which uh, awakens in all of us a lust for adventure, gratitude for the strong women in our lives and a faith in our own resilience. Uh, I am so, so excited to chat with you today, Sylvia. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, Maria. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I have been looking so forward to this conversation. I'm I'm just thrilled. It's it's such an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Well, man, I I went to um I have a little pond here on the property and I went out there to read your book. And what a story you have. And um and it's amazing that you're sharing it with all of us because I think like Kelsey said, it doesn't matter what age you are or what you've gone through. There's so much to take from it. Um, if you, I guess, probably have to start from kind of the beginning and and kind of educate our audience a little bit about your story. And I know with the book, you're starting with, you know, climbing the seven summits and I'm just, I'm reading it and I'm in it. Like I'm there with you. I'm seeing just the whiteout of the sky. I'm horrified. I'm sweating. I'm like, why did I do this? Oh shit. It's not me. It's her. (laughs) I was so deep. It's like, you know, when you're watching a show or a movie and you feel like you're in it, or I watch basketball games and I feel like I'm playing them. I felt like that reading your book and it was so intense. And then even your childhood stories were so intense. Um, And so I feel like, you know, share with everybody a little bit about what brought you to those seven summits and and then we can go into kind of all the other stuff from there yeah absolutely and thank you so much and I am so grateful to to actually to connect to your beautiful I mean heel squad um you know your followers are are just so amazing um but really, I mean, I come from Peru, and even though I grew up in a beautiful country that is full of mountains, they never really appealed to me. Uh, the stories of people climbing mountains, when I was growing up, it was always about, you know, bravado and ego and conquering. And, and I never felt I had any of that. And especially because, unfortunately, like many women, I was a survivor of sexual abuse. And I had to endure that as a little girl, I mean, from ages like, even though, I mean, for me, it's clear when I was around six, you know, this stuff was happening. I mean, the grooming started around even earlier. I mean, it was somebody who used to work in my house and, and literally lasted until I was around 10. And so my childhood, what this was truly, you know, unfortunately paused and my innocence was taken. And as I found out that what had happened to me was not right, um, I was struggling with my own sense. I, I felt as unfortunate many victims that this was my fault. And mm-hmm. I internalized the shame. I internalized the guilt. And it made me somebody who was incredibly fearful of everything. And I ultimately told my mother when I was around 14, 15, what had happened. And she's like, we got to get you out of this country. And I, that's what ultimately led me here. I came to, on, a, on a scholarship to start college and still, I was running away from my problems. And 
I, after school, I was studying in Pennsylvania. I moved to San Francisco and I became an alcoholic. I, and it wasn't also something that, oh, I just picked up on, on, on drinking. I started working for an alcohol company. And because I kept thinking like, well, you know what? I'm a survivor. I, I have overcome this and nobody could ever do this damage. You know, when trauma is in your body, when those emotions of shame can st stay within you, they will make a comeback. And if they go and resolve, they, you know, they manifest in other ways. And so for me, drinking became a way of coping with it, of trying to erase who I was. And as I was driving my life to tatters, I, I mean, I, I had, I had gotten a DUI. I had been in jail. I literally, everything was collapsing. I had an episode in which I hit a point of enough is enough. And I reached out for help. And I asked my mother in Peru, I needed help. And she had me come down to Peru and do a powerful session of ayahuasca, which is an Amazon um, healing plant. And on this session, I came across a vision of me as a little girl, the little girl that had gone through this horrible experience, the little girl that I was trying to destroy as an adult. I wanted to raise the memories. And I mm -hmm. saw her, and then I saw myself as an adult reconnecting to this little girl. And as we came back almost whole again, I remember hearing these rumblings and mountains form and my little girl is the one who pulled me to walking into mountains. And that is literally what started this vision for me of like, huh? Like I need to walk to a mountain and completely unexpected. But there was something that was so powerful. There was the sacredness, that part that we all have within ourselves, that innocence that is still is in us that literally became my salvation and which led me into this incredible journey. So it was something totally, totally random. Wow. So it was in an ayahuasca journey that you, you saw this vision. Um, I'm sure you doubted it, like you said, for a bit. At what point did you decide, well, let's give this a shot? And what was kind of that journey like? You know, I, it's very funny. I'm a Virgo, so I can I can be, you know, a little bit creative, but I can get very literal. And I could have taken that and been like, let me walk, like the, let me walk this path of life up and down on the valleys so, yeah. of <laughs> bringing my little girl. But then I went like, no, 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 no. Let's get a little bit more into action. And um, and the irony, even though I come from a country of mountains, I had never been a big trekker. I had never gone on big hikes. If, anything I was the type of person that I would go camping with friends and I literally would drive to the campsite set up things sleep drink everything and then leave so there was it wasn't something that you know oh I was driven to nature I never it, it's something that really didn't appeal to me Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating 
rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. But there was something about that connection to me. I mean, especially seeing that younger version of me, I think that rattled my life because many, many of us who, who maybe had had, and we don't even have to have you know, something as traumatic as what I went through, but at times a difficult childhood, something that that created some uneasiness, it, it becomes sometimes this impetus for us to, to try to overcome something in life. And, and one thing that really stuck with me is just to feel that emotion when I connected to her. This was somebody that I was trying to destroy who had absolutely no fault. You know, this was this was a part of me that I needed to really reconnect with. And, and so that had marked me so much. It was so unexpected, so out of left field that that's when I decided like, huh, OK, well, you know, I mean, and, and this is the one thing whenever I don't have children of my own. But when I see little kids, their innocence, I mean, they, they it's just so pure. They're mm-hmm. true little angels that. There was something that I, I just felt like my little girl inside of me is the one who pulled me to walk into a mountain. So maybe let me turn this literal. And, and of course, the Virgo side of me is like, well, OK, let's analyze a couple of things. We have to bring the biggest pain in your life. Well, let's walk to the biggest mountain or let's walk to the tallest mountain in the world. And that's when I took myself. That was in 2005 that I took myself to the base of Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain in the world. And I had no idea what to expect. It was, I mean, for me, that emotion was so powerful that it felt, I mean, this, this, I mean, this, this had been a period that had been robbed from me as a little girl that it just felt, well, let's go for it. Let's take this leap of faith and I have nothing to lose. And if anything, the jaded part of me is like, all right, you know what, for once and for all, Let's prove that whatever came inside of me is wrong. So let's just even do it instead of feel instead of living life with like ah I should have done it. It's like you know I likely gonna fail. I likely not gonna find anything. Like what's the joy in walking about a, a you know what's the joy in walking among a bunch of rocks? Like I, I was so jaded, so you know not your poster child on this, and and that's what completely changed for me. I went with zero expectation, not having any faith whatsoever in me. And I just decided to, to just follow this vision. And oh boy, I was so wrong on, about how it all started. I mean, you know, for someone who's never, I mean, I go on hikes and stuff. I would think if I'm going to go climb Mount Everest, I got to do all this physical training. And I know that you have to go through training to learn how to do the ropes and the buckles and all of that. But, um, you know, what was what was that preparation like? Um, you know, for me, the preparation, I mean, and, and that's one of possibly what was beautiful about the journey is that I didn't know what to expect. And I was so pleasantly surprised. I mean, the very first time I walked to the base of Everest on my second day, I came across the Himalayas and that changed my life. Instead of seeing, you know, these rocks and movable 
it was the side of something that was so bigger than me, that mm-hmm. was more almighty than me, that just made me feel so minuscule. And instead of feeling scared, I felt a sense of welcoming and protection. And it was possibly one of the most magical experiences to date right now is the sense that, you know, you are truly being accepted for who you are. The mountain didn't care. The the, the surrounding valleys just were, were this massive inspiration. And it is said that when you are in, you know, especially when you're surrounded in, in beautiful sites in nature, and it doesn't have to be really tall, but within three days, your brain starts rewiring. It is the, it's, it's this neuroplasticity that it, that starts happening. And so for me, the experience was one of coming together with, with the environment. And so by the time that I got to the base of Everest that very first time, I felt so much love and gratitude because inside of me, I could feel a surge of courage. And so because it started from such an unexpected place, by the time I got to the base of Everest and I, I made a promise to one day return and attempt to climb, that is when I felt, okay, well, I'm going to start learning. I want to become a, a beginner all over again. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in my 20s. I was already in my 30s when I started doing it. So it wasn't so much that, ooh, I got all this energy. Um, and that's the one aspect that I have learned. I mean, I have endurance. I don't have speed. And that's something that all of us, a lot of us women have compared to guys. And so if we are able to trust to that, I mean, it was just this beautiful process of learning. And of course, I think for me, I was able to look at it. And that's when I decided to attend the seven summits. I figured, well, if I want to do the tallest mountain in the world, I should learn. <laughs> I'm also not going to, you know, there, there wasn't no ego. There wasn't a way of like, I need to climb this. I need to conquer it. No, I just felt like I wanted to climb Everest because of gratitude. The mountain had given me my life back. It had given me my sense of belonging in this world. It had given me my whole acceptance, which I had been struggling just with. This- just from visiting it that day. Just from visiting that. It took us about four days. I, it is, I mean, Maria, this journey is so powerful. And it's not about climbing it, even just walking to it. The changes that it will do, it, it's unreal. Wow. I can't believe just visiting it is is that profound. I mean, obviously you hear the experience and, and you're reading. What I see is, you know, especially for women, we're so anticipators. We're always thinking in the future, what do we have to do next? Our to-do lists and our responsibilities. And when you're climbing the mountain, as I was climbing it through you, it's like, you can only think about that one step. Yes. That's it. You can't think any further. You can't also think of anything, period. You have to just stay in that meditative kind of space, it feels like, which is probably why it's so transformative. Yes, absolutely. I think what it brings you is for you to feel. I had, I mean, even that very first time when I was trekking to the base, it was the, I mean, I wasn't drinking and I was scared of altitude. I mean, the last thing I remember, I was afraid like, oh my, and you hear about altitude hitting you and and multiple um, unexpected things that can happen. And so there was a part of me that also was cautious. I mean, and I I wasn't going with a death wish. I was just going like, okay, I, I was waiting until my headache was going to hit in, until I was going to feel really sick to turn around. I didn't think that very first time I was going to made it all the, all, all the way to, to the end. Um, and so, but what it does, 
and it was one of the very few times that I was starting to to embrace sobriety, it allowed me to really feel my yourself. And I think, as you said, you know, for many of us, there's so much anticipation because our brains are constantly running. And, and sometimes we neglect what is what is the beauty of staying present? What is the beauty of feeling just every single movement? And, and that that groundness brings a whole reconnection to you. I mean, being able to pay attention to all your different senses. It, and it, it is powerful. I mean, that is when, and I think, and especially as I've, as I've guided many, many people, I feel when you have that opportunity, it allows you to, to also, you know, besides reconnecting to yourself, reattuning so many things. I, I mean, to me, my kind of just not just your awareness, but your instinct, um, you know, your sense of, I mean, you're, I mean, you're able to, to really embrace so much about you know, your own life and, and your own decisions. I mean, it, it is trust in yourself. You completely have to trust in yourself. And that's one of the things that I, it is so transformative. And mm. I'm loving that, that you're mentioning, I mean, just imagining, well, you know, let's take it as an immersive experience. Let's organize a big trekking trip. Let's bring, you know, members of your heel squad. And it will be for me, you know, putting the invitation out there for, for you to experience it because it's something really, really powerful. Oh my goodness. That Sign would be up. powerful. Yeah. I think it's like, we're also used to like asking everyone what we should do and not trusting our inner guidance and our own kind of wise souls that, you know, you have to trust yourself in those moments. That's what I was getting from, from the, the journey. You, know, you talk about when you run away from your problems, they chase you. Will yeah. you share a little bit about that? Cause I just thought that was so powerful. It is what they do. I, I think that, and, and, you know, now I've been four years sober and I've been doing a lot of heavy work for myself. I think I made a compromise that before writing the book, I, you know, needed to, for once and for all, walk a path that will keep me in a lot of integrity. Um, and, and luckily, I, you know, I started doing a lot of self-work uh, and that allowed me to, you know, to really get in, into, into, the, into the origins of, of just, you know, what are some of the, what are the resources that we have to, to really strengthen ourselves? And, and I feel that um, for all of us, I think that the, the process of, of retrusting us, it's, um, you know, fear is, is a constant. Fear is always gonna be coming in. I think fear, fear if, if we look at it, that's something that we can change. But we need to look at fear as these passing clouds. We just we just need to trust, you know. I mean, and, and that part, especially for me, that's what I have loved, especially when I have been on really extreme situations climbing some of these mountains. It's just, yeah, fear is going to be your constant. You're you're going to have a misstep. You're going to have a little error. But if you're present, if you're able to be just in the in that time you know, you're going to be able to also overcome through that, to that misstep. Um, and, and I think if you let ego on the side, and, and that's actually also what represents, I mean, it's more of a personal way of, of kind of dealing with, with this whole journey. 
what is it that is driving you? You know, if it's the ego side, if it's a way of trying to prove something to someone, if it's something of, of conquering, if we come with that mentality, yeah, that brings an edge out, but it can, the burnout is also can, can happen really quickly. As opposed to in my own way, I, I wasn't doing to particularly break any records. I was just doing for a personal healing journey. And, and so it becomes this whole embracing and growth with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost like the reconnection and, and just a regrounding of yourself and the reappreciation of, of what you have. And, and that's something that has been really, really powerful for me. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. So would you say that climbing Mount Everest was kind of that transformative moment that led you to do all the internal work and heal all the wounds? Um, Climbing Mount Everest was, I mean, by the time that I, when I got to the summit of the mountain, I remember feeling almost like, wow, this impossible dream came true. You know, we all have dreams, we all have goals. And and because sometimes we, you know, many of us have so many multiple things that we take for granted. You know, we're like, oh, you know, this is what my dream is to eventually go to this trip. Or like, I would love to visit this place. And and then once we get there, we totally forget how hard we work to get there. Mm -hmm. And and I think that, and, and, you know, especially when, you know, for for many goal-oriented of us, it's like, we just keep, you know, as long as you get there, you're like, okay, what's next? What's the bigger? It it always opens up. Mm -hmm. I felt, and, and, you know, before I got to the summit of Everest, there was this point, I mean, we were climbing through the night. I mean, too, and, and most of the summits usually just start in the middle of the night because that's actually when the temperature, it gets colder, but it is at its calmness. And, and at that high elevation, wind becomes your worst enemy. That, I mean, imagine when you are flying on a plane and you see turbulences, those are the turbulences that we feel at high altitude. So you have to make sure that you're warm. it's this horrible slap um and and so i remember i mean we were climbing through the night it was incredibly cold and then as we started seeing the dawn of day i got at this point and i was so high up and i remember looking to my left and just seeing how far i had climbed on my own two legs and it was many, maybe one of the very few times that I was able to have the perspective of like, oh, God, I got this far and nobody brought me here. It was just me. And there was this appreciation. And I have little skinny legs. I call them chicken legs. So I was just looking at my chicken legs and just simply going like, you go, girls. 
there was this there was this sense of like, wow, I I literally did it on my own. And so by the time I got to the summit, that's something that was so beautiful to just really, really connect to that appreciation of, of like, wow, I did this dream. So so achieving the dream for me was this unreal part. But at that point, I was still drinking. While being on mountains, I wouldn't drink. Um, And while being on expedition, I mean, while being on mountains, I wouldn't drink, but I'll come down and I'll party my ass off because I'll be like, woo, you know, I did something incredible. And so, and I felt that, you know, because of even the reasons I got into climbing, I feel the mountain was like, you know what, that's not planned for you. And, And so I came back. I started getting a lot of exposure, especially in my country. Um, you know, while I was climbing, nobody in Peru really, really didn't care. All of a sudden, I become the first Peruvian woman to summit at Everest. I become this symbol of women empowerment, and especially because of my story, I was leading. You know, I led a million women march with some other survivors. It was, I mean, I was going through this, you know, massive exposure, yet I wasn't ready. Uh, internally, I was having a little bit of this imposter syndrome and going like, oh my God, this is too much. And mm-hmm. I started drinking heavily again. And so on my anniversary of Everest, I was cycling to my work and I got into this horrible bike accident. I didn't have a helmet and I hit my head so hard on the pavement. Um, my brain shook. I passed out. I got picked up by an ambulance. I was taken to trauma. And while I was there, uh, they found a small brain tumor at the base of my brainstem. And that rattled me. I, I was about 10 days shy of trying to try uh, try to go and climb Denali, my last mountain in Alaska to go get the seven summits. And I remember like being impatient, having a little bit like my head is bleeding. And I was like, ah, I gotta get out, I gotta get out. I gotta close something to climb. And the doctors were like, no, nah, you're not gonna go anywhere. And I'm like, nah, I got to get out. And they were like, nope, listen, we find a brain tumor. You're not going anywhere. And I just went like, okay. And that evening, one of the doctors came and said, we can't determine if your tumor is cancerous or benign. So you're going to have to wait a couple of days because of the trauma that you've received. And I had friends that were visiting. I kicked everybody out. And as I was on my own, I told myself, all right, you know what? I will never forget the motion of gratitude. Because I, you know, I felt well, my mom had died of cancer. And I told myself, listen, if it's cancerous, it's in the family. I've had other relatives who have gone through it. And I just felt, you know, it could be in my path. And I had a sense of gratitude. I felt this in life. You have given me so many amazing gifts. There's been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of grief. But also, I have experienced some of the most amazing sunsets, sunrises. I've been able to just have such an amazing life that if it's my time to go, I will go out on a bang. I will quit my job tomorrow if it's cancerous. I'm going to try to keep working with young women, try to climb as much as I can, and try to find a way of sharing the story. And if it's benign, we'll see. Um, and and that was the beginning of my path. I mean, I that was literally the impetus of what has brought me here to share the story. Luckily, my tumor has been benign. Uh, unfortunately, it's at the base of my brainstem. It's a uh, it's a glioma that it's it, it's just like holding there and it's inoperable. But um, you know, it's it's been. 
I, I mean, he has, it, it's really funny. It looks like a little all, olive with a little French beret. So I call it little, you know, I was like, it feels like it's like this little French tumor going like you smoking a little cigarette. Um, but I think that was, that was possibly the beginning of me really reevaluating my life. I think that is what pushed me to feel, you know, that my mortality was, was very palpable. And I think it really put me into this purpose of, of really, reanalyzing my life and and trying to to be where I am right now so I feel like we talked about kind of the early childhood stuff we talked about Everest which we haven't finished yet but there's that middle part of achieving you know I feel like a lot of times we go through trauma and um and it'll push a lot of us into high achieving I'd love to hear a little bit about your story there Mm -hmm. For high achieving, I would say, and that's a great question. I mean, I, I personally, and, and I, I have a hard time at times, you know, dissecting it because I feel we all have it in us to do it. I mean, I, I could, I, you know, there was, there's no difference between you and me. Well, there's massive differences, but in, in terms of, you know, as we were born and, and what we create, I think for me as a survivor, having had that shame of my childhood kept pushing me to, to potentially, um, you know, feel that if I keep overcoming more things that possibly could rechange the past and that could realter things. Um, I am very grateful that, you know, through, through even climbing and the opportunity of speaking out more and connecting with, especially with women, I feel that we are our biggest limiting you know factors i think we are the ones who who you know who are so good more than men we we see excuses a to c and almost anything even a full moon it's like oh my god it's not you know according to astrology it's not going to be good i mean i i feel that the biggest learn one of the biggest lessons i have learned is like there's it's never there's never going to be the perfect scenario there's never going to be the perfect time. I mean, if you're going to be trying to achieve for just the perfect setting so that I can go and pursue what I want, that's never going to happen. You're just going to have to take the leap of faith. You're just going to have to figure it out. But what the one thing that I have in, in what, what I have been able to truly, truly, you know, stand by and attest is that when there is purpose, when there is something that you're truly aiming for and it is coming because of the goodness of your heart and the goodness of becoming a better person, that will happen. And all the elements around you are going to conspire to make it happen. And, and so that is, I think, one of my, um, I guess, one of my learnings about, you know, becoming high achiever is it's not so much high achiever is that you know, a lot of the dreams that I've had are usually connected to a purpose. When I said I was going to climb Everest, it wasn't like I want to climb Everest so that I can brag to people. Mm -hmm. I said, I want to climb Everest because I want to say thank you to the mountain. And I also want to find a way of giving back. And and I and I think even with with the within the seven summits, I mean there was, I mean, I was always scared of my even even as I started climbing them, I would when, when I heard when I heard people say, Oh, Sylvia conquered. I'm like, who the hell are we to conquer this? I mean, these mountains have been, they're going to be here longer than we have. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it, it's kind of more the perception side. And so if we change our perception, 
if we change, and it is, and that's the beauty of it. I, I feel, to me, what I have been able to learn is that the fact that it's all in us, that's such an amazing gift. That mm-hmm. means that, you know, we can reprogram ourselves any single day. Uh, and, and that's the one thing, like, for example, even, and I tell people, it's not maybe about, you know, trying to climb the tallest mountain, but we all have you know, our inner Everest, we all have this amazing dream that we want to try to pursue. It's all here. Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, putting ourselves, I mean, you know, putting it out there. And, and also that's another lesson is that that bigger dream, it has a much better chance of becoming a reality if you say it out there, if you feel it, if you have the conviction, if, if you, even if it feels embarrassing, just putting it out there that gets you a step closer. Keeping it inside in your head, yeah, you know, might might not have the chance to start, you know, getting all the help that you need from the outside. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Yeah. But you know, with the, it's funny, you're climbing the mountain, but you're also climbing your mountain, right? And climbing your demons, like the ice was like, all these things are like the demons coming at you that you're trying to, like, that's how I felt. But, you know, you had a, a, a very successful career. Um, and, and now your life has totally changed. Like, what have you learned through this kind of this, this part of the journey? As a woman in the industry of like, you know, and, and then just shifting everything. It, I have to tell you, scary. This has been possibly the most challenging inner and outer experience I've ever had. I mean, putting yourself out there. And I had the comfort of, you know, of a corporate job. I was very happy 
um, you know, kind of almost feeling that I had a little house that was hosting me. And, and, um, and you know, I, I definitely had the opportunity of working hard and sacrificing a lot. I mean, I, you know, when I started my, I mean, when I switched, when I left the alcohol company and went into the tech world, within a year, they moved me abroad. And, and so I, but I also had to put crazy hours. Um, and I felt that, and, and especially even after Everest, the last two years of my corporate life were very difficult because it almost like Everest had lifted this lid. And, and I felt that it actually had implanted a message in me about trying to bring more people to experience this. But it's almost I had this very comfortable environment that, you know, in a way also kept me small. You know, they can be it can be very supportive. And, and in no means, I think I tell people, you know, you need to when, when you're working for, for a large company, there's it is amazing. And it's not about like rebelling against it. It's more about, you know, don't feel that you owe them everything. Actually, they it's almost it has to be a 50-50 relationship. You know, you're, you're giving so much of your life to them. And so it needs to be something that, you know, you both need to feel that you're both contributing equally. Um, and, and at times, I think for my particular case, I felt that I had given it all and, and my interest already wasn't there. And so taking this leap of faith was taking me forever and, and I really haven't told this to a lot of people, but I'll tell you this, Marie. I mean, right before my mom died, um, I was I, I spent my last year with her and as she was battling her going through her journey of cancer. Um, you know, she was giving these messages to all of us and, and telling my siblings, you know, some of them who are families, like, oh, you know, work on your family, this and that. And, and her last wish for me was to get a master's. And, and so I still had it. I mean, she didn't believe in me climbing Everest. She she actually kept trying to discourage me. It's like, it's too dangerous. Don't do it. And I remember I did a mountain that I wasn't able to complete. And when I came back, she was like, see, you failed. And I'm like, all right, mom, that's not fun. So it's not that I had like, it's not that she was like a hundred percent like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. I, can do it. I mean, so it wasn't like my family almost was like, yeah, whatever. So I didn't have a whole lot of support from them, but, uh, but hers was to get a master's. And so I was, it was like, early 2019 and I was being I was so unhappy in my work I was having a hard time connecting I mean I just I I wasn't showing up and I but I was also too scared of of saying something and they had a massive reorg and they were like Sylvia sorry you know we you know it's like you're you're out and I it was this massive shock all of a sudden I was like oh my god you know god I I no longer have a job and I had applied for a master's and I got into, I was doing, there was a one-year master's at Stanford. And so I had, I applied for it and I got put on the wait list on the master's. And I was like, all right, well, I was waiting for that. I tried to take myself to the North Pole. I was like, all right, let me, let me do a little exploration. And unfortunately that expedition didn't, you know, we had some issues at, at the time, Russians and the Ukrainians, something started brewing at the time and then. And I got back and I got a call from my literary agency and they were like, all right, you know what? They said, we want to work with you. And I remember telling myself, okay, you know, this massive door has shut down, which was my corporate career. 
here I am between wanted to get this master's that my mom had done or, or had asked me to, or I had the opportunity of taking this leap of faith and share my story, which is something that had come the year after I had gotten into my accident. And so I decided, all right, well, the book will be a master's of life. You know, maybe the MBA, the, the master's of the university can wait. So I decided to take on this leap of faith and and this is what has led me here. And, you know, I mean, it's been this, to, to just have this beautiful opportunity of sharing my story, it's such an honor um, to, I mean, and even, and even when I started working with my agency, I was already nine months sober. I already had, you know, was, I had been working on myself, had been developing this, this amazing, this amazing tool sets to, to know what was, what had been at the root of what had led me into my drinking. So I felt I am ready to take into this amazing path of opening up my heart, getting to the heart of the abuse, getting to the source of how everything started and bring it out into the world. And so, and every day is still something new. Nothing is guaranteed, but I am grateful that I get to get a chance to, to be present, to live with the frustration, with the uncertainty, but, but also knowing that I know my story is touching people. I know people will be able to see themselves reflected, even though it looks like a climbing book. It's not a book about really climbing a mountain. It's about a book about our own journey, our inner mountains, our pain. And, and so I am I'm, I'm just, you know, so grateful to, to just be on this very unique journey. I love that. I, um, I have to ask you before we go, what are some of those tools that helped you get past those, those, uh, those demons and and the alcoholism, because, you know, you had to, you have to deal with the tools, you have to get the tools, but you also have to heal the wounds. And so we talk every day here about the inner work, whether it's somatic therapy or whatever, I'm curious, what helped you? I'll tell you what really revolutionized um, kind of my healing. I started taking these incredible classes. It's called compassion cultivation training. And it was the opportunity of learning how to give myself self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's tricky. I, I thought what was interesting is that, you know, we all, especially, I don't know if it's, I mean, for me growing up in a very poor country and, and you know, the circumstances that, that my parents were raised, they were very poor. Um, by the time, I mean, I was growing up, my, we were middle-class and we still had a lot of poor relatives. So my mom instigated on us, like, you know, be, be caring of others. So I had, I had developed a lot of compassion for others that almost came very natural. And throughout my life, throughout a lot of the self-destruction that I was doing to myself, I felt like I'm still good to others. I'm still compassionate to others. I still care. So that counts. I never learned about what self-compassion was. And that, I mean, and to go, and and this training is an eight-week training. It used to be just on-site, but because of the pandemic, they now moved it online. And it's these eight weeks that truly transformed my life. And And after I was done with the first class, I took three more classes of it because it it was the medicine that I didn't, I I had, I mean, Maria, for the very first time in my life, 
you know, allowing myself to learn how to give myself self-compassion mm. literally just got to the source of everything that allowed me to get to the root of everything. It was this light that I didn't know I had the power to give myself. Mm. And, and it literally changed everything. It literally turned my life. I mean, it, it allowed me to, as, as I was mentioning about how we can, you know, cackle, we can achieve anything. It's all about self-compassion. It's all about the opportunity of putting your hand on your heart and, and just being able to, to, you know, close your eyes for a second and, and go when something uncertainty, when there's uncertainty that comes, it's just to feel where is this coming from? Any projection, when people piss us off, when, when something is not going our way, if we're able to go back to, to just where the hurt is coming from by applying self-compassion, that literally was powerful. I mean, that 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 is what stopped my drinking. I I mean, I, I didn't go to a lot of, you know, I didn't do AA classes. It literally was practicing self-compassion on a daily basis, which I still do. And, and these are self-guided meditations. It's not even like you need to meditate for 20 minutes. You meditate in silence for about five, six minutes, and then you get this guiding about, you know, kind of how to orient your heart. I mean, how to bring things that are, are bothering you, you know, have a connection to others. The, I mean, what, what self-compassion really brought to me besides knowing, you know, just the power of connecting here is also the concept of common humanity is to know that you, the pain that you're going through right now, someone else is going through it at the same time. And this whole interconnectivity is what really allows you not just to expand your self-compassion, but knowing that you're not alone, which is possibly what creates a lot of the, the self-destruction in our lives. I mean, we just feel that well, we're the only ones that have gone through it. Nobody else has it. And boom, you know, we, we, just, we just create this inner, you know, negative mountain inside of us. And that is literally what, what cured me. And, and that is something that I'm hoping that I can, I can talk more in the future because it's, it's, it's learning. I mean, we take it for granted. We're like, well, why are you talking about self-compassion? And, mm -hmm. and I think it's just, the, I think the notion of compassion, I think we need to give compassion, the word, a facelift <laughs> or a little upgrade, but literally that has been the biggest secret that, that, that turned my life upside down. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. I love that. I agree so much. I just did some meditation work recently and at the event, at this meditation event, I realized, oh, I am not loving myself. I'm really good to everybody else. Same thing. I don't have compassion for me. I have compassion for everybody else. 
And that was a really big game changer for me too, because, um, you know, that little girl inside of us deserves it. Mm -hmm. And, and that is actually what these sessions will do. I mean, these classes and the whole, the whole structure of the class were developed by Thunpe Jimpa, who is a Dalai Lama. He's a Dalai Lama translator. So he knows a little bit about meditation. <laughs> and, just and a little that, bit. Just a little bit. He has a little insight. But what I loved about it, and, and that's what has been unique, and I've been doing, I, I did transcendental meditation for a while. I've, I've tried to pick up multiple, you know, multiple tools and figuring out this is the one that has now lasted close to four years. And, and as, as you were mentioning, we, it just, it looks too simple. It's like, what are you talking about? You know, a hand in your heart. If we are able to just learn a little bit of, of what that, how that connects to everything, it's just like a little fine tuning. It will do wonders. It absolutely will, will create wonders. And I mean, it's something that I, I think is, <laughs> and, and as now as you went through that experience, we just take it for granted and we just feel like, well, we have it. We do give it to others. It, it's a whole different game to give it to yourself. Yeah. Well, then you have so much more to give too. Absolutely. You do. And, and we tend to, we, I mean, the one thing that I've been able to learn is that what, what we have to give is infinite as long as we can recenter. And, and even for me, when I was writing the book, I had to reopen up through pain that I hadn't revisited. I had to get to the heart of the trauma, of the abuse. And, and I had an amazing somatic therapist. I mean, and, and that's what the book is. So oh, yeah. Raw. yeah, the book is so raw and riveting because I'll be going through my sessions. I'm like, all right, you know, two minutes of like the, the daily things that people are pissing me off. And the rest of it, we will go into like almost like a little regression and feel of how your body's feeling and getting it out. And I remember we'll, I will finish writing some of the chapters and there was a lot of crying and there was a lot of pain. And in the middle of the pandemic, I, you know, I wouldn't, like, I, I couldn't go on and call a friend and come and hug them. And I needed a lot of these. And mm -hmm. I would just simply sit and I will, you know, start picking up one of the meditations and, and applying self-compassion to myself. And it kept me grounded. I mean, it, it's really, really, really something powerful. Wow, Kelsey, you'll have to get the information on it so we yes. can share it with the Heal Squad. Absolutely. Um, it's so powerful. I want to do it as well. And the book is powerful. I mean, I could talk to you for hours and hours, um, but I think uh, I'm grateful that you um, have been able to share this story with everybody because um, it is powerful and inspiring and You've you've climbed all the mountains and you've met met like um, physically and and spiritually and and so it's not just the actual physical mountains you've, you're climbing the mountains of life for us and 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 showing us that there's um, there's a trust in us that we need to reconnect to. Yes, we all have it. We all have it. It is amazing that, that it's all inside. And it's how to reactivate it. And especially with everything that we have gone through over the last couple of years, and even up to now, the uncertainties, it is natural to, to feel fear. But that is not, that doesn't need to be the driving force. And, and even, you know, I, I mean, especially the last two years, so much loss and grief. But it, it's all about being able to, to, be, to live with it, to cope with it, and to trust to trust that we are here for amazing things that we all have it in us. And, and I know even, I mean, that's what, 
this journey here is, I mean, and, and the dream with, with the book for me is like, it's going to take you up on a roller coaster. It's an up and down, up and down, but to show that we all have it within us to get there. Yeah. Well, we all have our own roller coasters, right? So we have to learn how to, how to navigate them. And, and, you know, like you said, if you, if you, um, what was the quote? Don't chase, if you chase the pain, what was it? Hold on. I have it here. I already forgot how to say it properly. Kelsey, help me out here if you got it. Oh, when you run from your problems, they chase you. Oh, I was telling Kelsey before we started the show, someone was telling me if we don't grieve, new things to grieve will keep popping in so that you'll finally grieve. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so it's similar. Life catches up to you. We can't cheat it. We feel we can outsmart emotions, especially, and we can't. And I think what just makes it harder is to feel the pain. To feel, I mean, you know, to feel the heartbreak. We are afraid of feeling the heartbreak. And mm-hmm. as much as we try to avoid it, it will come. And, and I think it's ultimately for many of us that, that have surrendered to the pain, we realize like, oh, you know, the sun always shines. That, that's been one of the most beautiful things as hard as, as the time feels. I, I mean, when I lost my partner, which I talked in the book about just, you know, impossible grief. How can you ever amend a broken heart? And one of the most beautiful advices that a dear friend of my partner told me, because I, you know, it happened so suddenly and I had so many questions I couldn't ask. He just said, listen, all the answers are in your heart. And, and as much as we tend to undermine it, especially when we are afraid and we're like, shit, you know, this stupid heart of mine or this and that, and we can be so hard on ourselves, the strength of our heart, it just rebuilds. It will take time. But even through the grief, that is a way of learning, of, of becoming whole again. I mean, we just have this, this beautiful sense of resilience in all of us. And, and that is something that, you know, it's up to us if we give it away. It's up to us if we if we give. We we are the only ones who give up on ourselves. And if we just and I am, I will say this with a hundred percent conviction on anyone on all of your listeners. Anything that you want, it will happen. Just you gotta trust. You just have to. You know, to even just give this, it will happen. Sylvia, so I have to ask um, for anybody who's listening to this who has who has arrived at their rock bottom, Mm -hmm. what is your advice to them? For anyone who is just, they feel they cannot go another day, you know, for anybody who just feels I'm on my wits, this is really hard. It's just not going to change. You need to reach out. You are not alone. Number one, you are not alone. You're not alone. This is, I mean, the, the whole common humanity and, and maybe that might not help. I mean, you're like, ah, oh, no, the person is suffering. That's even worse. The other part is reach out, give out. At times we feel like, well, I don't want to comfort this person. I don't want to comfort someone. Try to understand. I mean, in, in you know, for a lot of your listeners, there is a heel squad. There is a community. And that is something that I was always, I, I was able to learn through, through the journey of even writing the book. I mean, as I was bringing these young women with me, community is something that we are, we all have it within us. And we tend to undermine how much support we can get 
Sometimes we put all the blunt on people that are the closest to us. But you, I mean, if, if we could, if we would be able to take these, take ourselves from that current spot and see from the outside, you will see how many people care for you. Mm-hmm. And so don't be afraid to reaching out and things will change. As hard, I, I have been at my knees with my heart broken, crying and being like, this is it. I, I just, how am I going to do another day? How can I, how can I, how can I wake up? I don't want to even see the sun. I have been at that low point, but don't give up. There is so much for us. There is so much, but you just need to reach out. You just need to let someone else know. As much as our psychic powers can go, we need to just just even open that up. Oh, you just made me cry. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm just I'm sending you so much love, Maria. This is it's us. It's us. It's us. It's us. All is in us. Is and breathing. This is the one aspect that I do. I put my heart and I breathe. Oh my God! And the ugly cry. What? <laughs> oh, I said. I call people call me a badass. I call myself a crying badass. I am the number one. Like, that's what I don't wear makeup. <laughs> it, 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 it is like, but even with that, it that is such an amazing relief to let it out. So yeah. you just like feel it as hard as it gets. It's it's part of it, but it strengthens us. It truly strengthens you. And so that is, and I'm here. I'm easily reachable. I'm through all the socials. Anybody that wants to ever chat might take a tiny, tiny second for us to coordinate, but I am here. I am here. I mean, I'm, you know, you have created a beautiful community. I am now a messenger of the mountains. I put my story out there as a way of connecting with people. So I'm also here, you know, it's, it's, it's part of what we're here. I mean, at least this is part of this privilege of, of having this opportunity. Thank you, Sylvia. Well, now you're a part of the Heal Squad too. Oh. And um, and I know that they take great comfort in hearing that. And um, I'm sure they will reach out to you. I'm sure I'll reach out to you as well. Uh, friends, the book is In the Shadow of the Mountain, A Memoir of Courage. It is out now. We'll put links to everything, Sylvia, underneath in the description of this uh episode and um sylvia this will not be our last interview i hope <laughs> i uh, hope so too <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to share today you're a beautiful soul and uh and we're grateful for you thank you maria i it's a true honor thank you i'm a huge fan and, and thank you so much for this opportunity all right friends um i feel like i probably needed another hour with sylvia i know seriously <laughs> uh, that, I mean, her story, guys, I don't even know if if we got into it deep enough um, because she was just so full of like wisdom. Um, but her story is so intense and so powerful. And she's gone through so much and to see how vibrant and alive she is. I know. After all of it um, is pretty awesome. She has so many layers. And like you said, Maria, it's like, I don't even, you would need hours to get into everything. I mean, from 
growing up in a super conservative family, coming out as gay, and then the whole sexual assault, the tumor. Like, there's so much to her. And then you see the two of you talking, like you said. she's How about almost dying on Mount Everest? Right, right. Like, there's so, there's so much. And the fact that she still, yeah, is such this light is really, it's really amazing. And I'm looking into the compassion cultivation training, and I will let you all know because that sounds incredible. Yeah, I heard about that from someone else too. I don't remember if it was a guest on the show or something, but we need to look into that and maybe have one of their like experts on the show to talk about it. All right, friends, I got to hustle on out, but um, leave us a uh, comment. Let us know what you think uh, about the show, about this episode, whatever you would like. We'll leave a link to the Apple podcast reviews below. Um, In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices and be present. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.